This is Andy's clap. I'd rather be in Andy's lap. <laughs> oh, I liked that word. And ha- have him tell me a story. I'll read you a book. I'll read you your Miranda rights because you're going to jail. <laughs> yeah, it's illegal to go in a nice man's lap. <laughs> you took the honeypot. <laughs> you fell for it. Not me. You're the one going to jail. Oh, shit. Because you, you went into my lap without asking me if it was okay first. That's double jeopardy. You guys are like a yin-yang of being you're in each other's laps. <laughs> you can't charge a person for the same lap. And crime. you're both just... just screaming into the lap. You're going to jail. <laughs> We're worming around each other. No, you're the one going you're to jail. You're going to jail. No, it's you. No, it's you. Look, officer, he's in my lap. Officer. <laughs> Get these men out of each other's laps. Let me tell you about my family. Well, hi there. Hey there. Hello. How are you? This is Saturday Morning Tuesdays, that animated podcast about real cartoons. And my name is Andy. My name is Austin. My name is Rory. And you know we're all we're all just some some three three suburban dudes out here just living that wonderful suburban family life. And uh, just and keeping today's that grass episode, green, keeping our grass green. Grass isn't greener on the other side where we live because it's as green as it gets out here. Yeah, we we made sure of that. And you know this episode is uh, is sponsored by uh, ah, Lacroix. Boy, that's our favorite drink out here in the suburbs. Us white people love that LaCroix. It's like water, but slightly fresh, slightly fun. It's just as much fun as we can handle. Hey there, neighbor. Hey there, neighbor. Can I borrow a can of those those smelly bubbles? <laughs> They'll trick you into thinking they got some got some flavor in there, but uh, but they really don't. But they don't. They, what they also don't have is calories. And boy, I'm really I'm really thinking about that uh, that figure of mine. You gotta keep it. You gotta keep your you gotta keep your figure tight for your husband. He goes, he goes to work all day, and you're, and you're, you have to stay home and just keep it tight for your husband. That's your job. That's, that's your. That's, that's what we that's do your, out here. That's your full time job is just keeping it. We got to keep it tight for our husbands. We're three. Or th- we're three. That's it. That's it, everybody. Dads keeping it tight for our husbands. <laughs> this is our well, theme. no, we have two jobs. We have two jobs. Two jobs. We got to drink Lacroix. We got to drink uh, Lacroix. We got to keep it tight. <laughs> We gotta keep it tight, and we got a third job. We gotta go to those HOA meetings and make sure make sure Karen make sure doesn't Karen screw us keeps over. Keeps her fence right, you know, off my dang lawn. <laughs> keeps that dog, keeps that yeah. barking dog quiet after six p.m. Quiet hours are. I know where that property line is. Don't you don't you dare tell even a, a, an inch over that property line, or I'm gonna I'm gonna have the whole like hellfire rain down upon you in the way only a suburban human being can do. Quiet hours are from six p.m. to three p.m. in our neighborhood. And then after three p.m. is when you keep it tight. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. the, the sound of our of, of weights being heaved across the basement. <laughs> we're, we're their dads exercising in the basement, keeping our pods tight for our husbands, <laughs> for our hussies. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh, there's some. Oh LaCroix. god, that Lacroix is so fucking good. Oh, it's so good. Well, you know, now it's three p.m. and normally we'd be keeping it tight right now for the next three that's hours. That's very true. Quiet yeah, it's again. true. <laughs> but. In this in this time that we have, <laughs> in this three hours where we could feasibly make a little bit of noise, I think I think that it's time for a few of us to get together for our weekly cartoon club. We're, we're husbands. It's just a really cute to, thing that we and do. We grunt. 
we're three men and we just yeah. love grunting. We're still we're still your ordinary American man, your red blooded American man. I like steak and hot dogs, keeping it tight. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the three things we love. And you know the Holy Trinity. We, we got this <laughs> This cute this cute cartoon club that we're all watching uh some cartoons and it's still Skyhunks. You thought maybe we'd switch it up. But just kidding. No, it's still Skyhunks. We're doing Skyhunks Part 2. Uh, yeah, we well, did switch it this up. This is Skyhunks Part 6. Skyhunks, the second half, the return of Skyhunks. And we we definitely did switch it up. Uh, we said goodbye, goodbye, goodbye to Sky Surfer Strike Force. With tears in our eyes. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. We do miss those It was hunks. sad. It was sad. But we replaced them with some even thicker and square-er hunks uh, in some more traditional airplanes. Uh, and we're watching a show called Ring Raiders. I'm actually married to a pilot, so. Oh, did he give you yeah. the ring? He gave me. The he gave you the ring. Ring raider. And he raided it. <laughs> I don't. I don't really want to know about that, Rory. Oh, gee, I'm sorry. I guess it's not okay to just bl- for two husbands to just go, keep it tight and go blast each other. <laughs> No, for for God's sake! Go to the bedroom like a a pair of caged pumas and just blast each other. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's totally fine. We love that. We're we're all about that. We just don't want you to talk about it out here in the suburbs. We're so scared of those pumas. We're so scared of pumas. (laughs) They're a real threat out here. Uh, And uh, we we're still watching Robotech, so we're 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 continuing on because we like that show and we want to keep going. So yeah, that's that's kind of what we're up to, and we've all got our Lacroix. Uh, I can make all the drinking sounds for everybody else, you know, just to sort of cover that. Oh, I'm Rory, and I'm drinking Lacroix. <laughs> I'm Austin, and I'm also drinking. It's LaCroix. the suburbs, so uh, well, after I've kept it tight for a couple hours, I I switch to white wine. I keep it a little bit. Free. Oh, mm, okay. a little bit crazy. Four p.m. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> And it is quiet hours in two hours, so we, we do we do need to get this. Well, out, let's so. don't do it. Don't even come up with one. I I just want it once. Can we? <laughs> let's ring right in. Let's ring. Let's ring right in. Let's tight right in. <laughs> <laughs> let's tight right ring. Let's get it tight. Keep our let's keep our rings tight. No, no, we can't say that. Let's we jump. We can't say that. We'll jump into our tight ring. <laughs> no, we can't do that. Let's blast right in. Oh my god. That song oh god, that song is so good. It I, I at risk of getting called out in the neighborhood, in this wonderful neighborhood we're in for, uh, for, for being ignoring too loud, quiet hours. For, for ignoring <laughs> quiet hours, even when they're not I, I just love this song Ring Raiders, and you've heard a little it's, bit of it now. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's so good. It's a it's our friend Chucky Levy and Heim Saban. Uh, yes. These great composers, these masters of their craft, the the Stephen Sondheim and and the, the Alan Menkins of of the cartoon world. But we're not really here to talk about the theme song. We're here to talk about 
Zap this whole show. We're here to talk about this wild show. This show is incredible. It's so <laughs> good. There's so much happening in here. There's so a much. solid six minute chunk in the middle of the episode where we just get <laughs> info dumped about the premise they, of the show. They just tell us their whole deal. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, so speaking can, of whole deal, let's read a synopsis for Ringer. It is episode one. Sure. How about that? Uh, it's called, called Ring of Fire. It's called mm. Ring of Fire. And here's the blurb. A novice U.S. Navy pilot from World War II named Cub Jones. That's C-U-B. Cub Jones <laughs> is nearly shot down by the evil Skull Squadron, a time traveling team of evil pilots. They set an explosive device that will, in 50 years' time, cause volcanoes across the Pacific Rim to violently erupt. Just as Cub is about to die, the time-traveling super team known as the Ring Raiders transports him through time and space to their headquarters. Commander Victor Vector invites him to become the Ring Raiders' newest member and quickly preps him for a counterattack to stop the Skull Squadron's plans. Yeah! You didn't think there was going to be time travel in this piece of shit. (laughs) There's so much time travel. It's a core yeah. concept. Yeah, this is mainly set in the far future of 1998, <laughs> which is very entertaining. Oh, <laughs> it's really incredible. I just, I love. Okay, okay. So first of all, we, we can we can get a couple little details out of the way. This yeah, this yeah. only has five episodes, right? So mm-hmm. they only made five episodes, which should kind of give you an indication of how well received it was. Right. And it was based on a toy line. Uh, which already existed. So, like, they made the toys first, and then they were like, you know what this needs? A cartoon, because they aren't selling very well. Uh, <laughs> the toys were made by Matchbox. The car- the cartoon was made by, like, a subsidiary of American Greeting Cards. And, like... Yeah, those characters from Cleveland. You know, you know how kids love history? <laughs> <laughs> you know how all children are, like, 48-year-old World <laughs> War II nerds? Like yeah. us, like us, the three dads. Like my dad who always falls asleep watching some sort of Hitler program on the History Channel. Something about tomahawk missiles. Yeah. Yeah, every kid loves that shit. Not just that yeah. one weird one that you tried not to talk to in social studies class. Every Yeah. Kid. Did you guys have a did you guys have a, a civil war kid? I didn't <laughs> no. have a civil war in my kid. School, I had... In my elementary school I had a civil war kid who was just obsessed with that was the one. He, that was the one that really spoke to him. <laughs> and he'd come dressed up as a little union boy. Oh, all boy. of his, all well, of his I guess papers. That's the good one to do. Yeah, he wasn't that's the good one. <laughs> Maybe he just read his audience. He knew. He knew what he could get away with. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but he did have a another one at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was waiting for the right moment. Yeah. So this this show this show is so strange. But yeah, it's called, it, first of all, it's called Ring Raiders, which, you know, doesn't really strike you as much of anything, really. I mean, it, it strikes me as a great set of phonemes for a catchy hook on a song. That's yeah. a nice that's a nice two words to sing on a, on an 80s belt. It's like, true. That is that is a good title for that. But nothing not for any other other part of this show. <laughs> right. And you'd think, what is this about, like uh, a band of thieves who rob jewelry stores? No, no, they're time traveling fighter pilots. Um, and the 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 Matchbox toy line were these little sh- little ships, these little fighter jets that would go on your finger like a ring. And so you can um, I'm, I'm looking at a picture right now and mm, you just sort mm-hmm. of put it on your fingers, kind of almost like a tech deck, 
you know, are you for explaining what a ring is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have little round. planes on them. They're like a circle, oh, like an unbroken oh, circle. Okay, okay. That you know that represents love and and future yeah. together Eternal and wear bond. It and and you get married to a plane. I think is is how this works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You marry a plane um, man. So yeah, so this this was the that was the product line they made, and that's why they were called Ring Raiders in the store. And then they they somehow made a show out of it. Okay, the first thing that you got to know about this clumsy clumsy show is that we are instructed by the theme song that. These guys are going to be faster than a list of things. They are faster than eagles. Yeah. Check. Faster than sound. Check. Mm-hmm. Faster than evil. Check. Mm. Faster than crime. Definitely. Good. Very important. Faster than light. Wow. That's surprising. <laughs> and faster than time. Oh, yeah. my. Uh huh. I like, I, I, you know, I like, I like that list. It seems a little a little strange, like faster than evil. Evil is a sort of weird concept to be quicker than, but you know, I'll go. Is it light faster than time? Yeah, probably. Uh, (laughs) Well, I think they're kind of intermixed. Uh, I don't know that it makes much sense to talk about being faster than time, so we'll 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 give them a little bit of leeway there. But these these guys aren't that fast. Uh, No, I was I was sort of sold a bill of goods, and in the end, what they are are just regular run-of-the-mill fighter pilots. Yeah, yeah, but they can hop around in time. Yes. As the primary... And have very good names. Yeah, oh, they have very such good, names. good names. What I are some of those names, to... Rory? No, we can we can get into the concept here. We can, we can go talk through, first. Go through. We got Victor Vector. That guy's got those... <laughs> he's, a man, he's a man made entirely of cured meats. He is a big <laughs> meat man. He is cool-headed and always willing to risk his life for others. Man, he As a is trainer just... commander of the Elite Justice Wing, he pilots the Victory One, a customized F-19 stealth fighter. Oh, God, they're so up yeah. their own ass about like My penis just grew an inch pu- just saying those words. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, they are so up their own ass about these plane stats. They know, they have in, in the wiki here, like, they have more information about each plane and every type of, like, this is the MC-1 and it has 36 missiles equipped and different abilities and four bombs and four of these things. And uh, it, the, the plane, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, this, is what, this, is, this is why we needed anime. Before, <laughs> before anime, this is what these people did. Right. So we've got, we don't, we don't meet too many of the people in this episode. We mostly meet Victor Vector. We briefly meet uh, Jenny Gale, who's uh, the one female pilot of the Very good guys. briefly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we meet Baron von Claudites, the sort of very Red fun. Red Baron stand-in. Wor- yeah, like World War One German dude. Uh, and then there's other people. There's like a... Yakamura, well, we meet our, we meet our We meet our main boy, Cub Jones. Yes, yeah, Cub yeah. Jones. Cub Jones is our main character, and he is he's from nineteen forty three. I don't want him to be. He has such a bad voice actor. He's a terrible voice actor. He just yahoos his way through. Yahoo! We should get a clip of his his favorite phrase, Yahoo. Yahoo! Yahoo! <laughs> God. Uh, but the far more interesting characters, like the like the main characters, the the good guys, they're kind of they're kind of lame. But the bad yeah, guys, they suck. the bad guys is uh, this is where they really shine. So we've got this evil pilot, bad guy Scorch. Scorch Ooh, is we a, got Scorch. Uh, 
he's a big bad boy and he wanted to just like his ultimate goal in life was to do planes better like be better pilot (laughs) better than all pilots and and he kidnapped a bunch of scientists and made them research how to make him like a like a captain america super pilot super soldier best planesman and they just i guess they shot rays at him and now he's indestructible and his evil was magnified 1000 times and i I don't know, but the weird the weirdest part for me about Scorch is that before any of this happens, before he kidnaps people, before he becomes indestructible, he already has this half of a face that's just <laughs> a black like a like jet black face with like showing teeth and cyborg two face half mask thing. What's up with his face? Is that like a, a burn scar that's like very, very artistic licensed or what, uh, he was what a fan. He was a phantom of the opera dog. And then he wanted <laughs> to get a plane. So he can do whatever he wants. Also, you know that, you know, his voice actor, you know, his I voice do. actor. I do know his voice actor. Actually. Can you say his name and what he's done? <laughs> most famously, his name is Roger Bumpus. The voice <laughs> of Squidward. <laughs> it's SpongeBob's own Squidward. And I don't know. <laughs> he said that like know. a fun little man. Reconcile it. I this cast is actually like we didn't meet some of the characters, but it's kind of stacked in some like weird ways. But the but by far the most known voice is uh, is Roger Bumpus, closely followed by Baron von Claudite, who is Chuck McCann, uh, who is a bunch of things, including like Duckworth the Butler on uh, on Ducktales, and he's Bemo's creator on Adventure Time, and oh okay, like like he's been in a million things that you would never have thought about. Uh, and he's like a he started as like a 60s puppet comedian. And like, I don't oh know, that boy. guy's had a cr- crazy uh-huh. career, crazy career, my friends. Uh, but yeah, Chuck McCann is our is our lovely Baron von Claudites. Somebody tell me about the other bad guys, because they're incredible. We've got Hubbub, the punk rocker who loves to create chaos wherever he goes. <laughs> Heavily into electronics, he uses the myriad high tech devices in his plane to baffle and confuse the Ring Raiders. Uh, we also have Blackjack, Chiller, Mako, uh, Mako, make sorry Mako, and the cruel Siren. <laughs> yeah, Siren He's... is weird. In profile, she kind of looks like somebody like grabbed her nose and mouth and pulled pulled like taffy, like like face taffy. And yeah, she looks like a rolled doll <laughs> illustration <laughs> of like a witch. Yeah, it's kind of actually more. Uh, obscene that they have two token females than just the one. Like you would think, the more female yeah. characters, the better. But like each of, team gets it, one. It seems it seems more obscene to do it twice. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're first so time right. could be a coincidence. Second time is, you know, <laughs> is a pattern. <laughs> yeah. Also, all of these villains just look so janky. They yeah. they're they real. Look like Everybody nerd. on the show is animated like some sort of. Uh, cartoonish monsters they're all so ugly which is kind of yeah. fun they're, they're no hunks they're no hunks on this yeah they don't they're not show. intimidating i, I think, mean is not the a, they're, 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 they're not intimidating oh, at all. There, there's no hunks above the shoulder on this show <laughs> 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 right they've got rocking bods and the melted face of a, of a <laughs> toy that's been held up to a blowtorch <laughs> yeah yeah the animation is bad I think that's safe to say. Well, Victor Vector to me, though, he kind of looks like a sexy version of of uh, like the main guy from Wolfenstein or Doom. You know, like he, a real oh, blocky. BJ he looks yeah. he looks like Beast from X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give it to you. But he's, As a brunette. he's meaty. 
yeah with these enormous eyebrows with eyebrows that could that could cut a cut a loaf of bread <laughs> i'd love to know how that sort of works out in your mind but <laughs> <laughs> one one final one final thing the whole this this whole ring raiders bullshit started because of the skull squadron because i guess they just want to destroy everything and so victor vector asked all the nations to make a big ship and put a time travel device on it and then let him command yeah. it unilaterally and mm-hmm. and his assignment is to recruit the greatest pilots of past and future so yeah so this is like a super team i guess of the best pilots throughout history so that they can fight these bad guys and that is our premise like which gets explained in the middle of this episode in in just about as much detail as we just used it's really incredible i mean so the the setup begins in 1943 in the south pacific somewhere um and we see our boy our our sky twink cub jones uh on on his very first mission this is just like a routine scouting mission he's like oh boy oh boy give me a yahoo give me a ship i'm just wanna wahoo let me check some things out <laughs> and uh he's never done this shit before and he flies out being a hot shot and he wants to do some murder he just wants to kill the bad guys and he flies out and sees some bogeys and they're like, hey, don't engage. Just come right back. And he ignores them. He pretends that it, it's breaking up so he can shoot yeah. the murder. He pulls uh, that hmm. classic. Ooh, I, I, there's a lot of static on the line move. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see him do that after just watching five episodes of Robotech. And mm-hmm. with our other flyboy hotshot, Rick Hunter, who likes to fly and disobey orders, but he doesn't like taking human lives. Or sort of jumping right into a war. And I think right. it, it is interesting to see the difference. Uh, it's very, it feels very blatant in this, like not intentional on their part, but it just feels it's a very stark difference to see him jumping out and just wanting to like show off and kill some people. <laughs> well, the, well, this, this show, this show is, you know, on the scale from G.I. Joe to Robotech, this show is solidly on the G.I. Joe side, right? Right. Absolutely. These are people who have no compulsion, uh, no compunctions taking another man's life. And in fact, they do it willfully and often and frequently and in great, great numbers. Uh-huh, uh, without as much as sort of a, a passing comment. Yahoo. Not as much as a passing Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so he shoots he shoots them down really handily, these um, you know, Axis fighters. And then when he's about to, I don't know, fly home, that's when the this time warp happens and the Skull Squadron flies in looking looking for, for some nonsense to get up to. Uh, searching for volcanoes, traveling through time looking for volcanoes, I guess. And <laughs> they find one, they drop some kind of explosive device inside the volcano and then have this dogfight with Cub Jones. And... I'm I'm going to I'm not jumping ahead necessarily. I just I'm I'm using knowledge from the whole episode. This device that they put into the volcano is like a weird little spider. Awesome it's like spider. a it's a cool <laughs> little spider drone that's also like a fusion device explosive thing and I don't it's not very clear why they have to do it 50 years in advance because surely no. it doesn't take 50 years for the spider to crawl into the most like opportune spot inside the volcano. 
Uh, so that part's not really well explained, and I'm sure that's a you know sort of a signpost for how bad the time travel is going to be in the rest of the show. Oh but... God, you can't even <laughs> begin to start tearing this apart. Like I know we like to get really specific about these things and ask a lot of questions that breaks the fiction of um you know what's supposed to be a fun cartoon for babies, but you just you can't even start to break this apart because it it is so loosely held together by any sense of logic. Yeah, in, here in the suburbs, we don't get into the weeds. We pull the weeds. And yeah. that's we're just we're not going to be in the weeds on this. We can't do it. Because if you start to think about it, so our boy Cub Jones gets taken in this time warp as uh, he's hit by the Skull Squadron. He's going down. He thinks he's going to crash. And then he disappears through time and finds himself landing on a ship in, you know, the far future of the 90s. Yeah. I think this 50 year plot was just a way to to have him in have the the Skull Squadron appear when he was flying in, you know, his real life. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. So so it, it, it's being used there to explain why they're there, even without having to even if the if the reason the time travel is being done to begin with is a little bit floppy, it, it gets the show where it needs to be. So I'm OK. with Right. That yeah, it's just he was pulled in at the same time the other guys were leaving. Just mm-hmm. as a coincidence, I guess. Right. And yeah. he's immediately greeted by Victor Vector and by um, Jenny Gale, MD, mm-hmm. who he takes the moment to wink at seductively. And yeah, that's her he entire function in this episode is to get objectified and then do nothing else of consequence. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're told she's a pilot, but we haven't seen it yet. No. No, her whole job is to get winked at in this episode and frown. <laughs> and that's <laughs> Jenny Gale, professional wink target. Yeah, cool. Okay. So this this guy, Cub, he shows up on this futuristic plane. Uh what's it called? Air Carrier Justice. I don't know. Yeah. It's Air Carrier Justice. I just found my <laughs> nose. And he shows up and Victor Vector, the ninety degree angle man, uh just starts vomiting all this information at him he's just like hey why don't you go sit down and we like i said we spend the next like five minutes learning everything that you all now know about this show so so while victor vector is doing his long diatribe about everybody in the crew uh uh cubs has a actually kind of funny line where he's like wow sure are a lot of commanders on this ship uh, which is already like a funny observation and yeah. then at the, at, at the end of all this he's like so we've decided you get a ring welcome to our crew commander cub <laughs> like, he just has no self-awareness about it at all everybody's a commander yeah. i had a great i had a great laugh at that yeah fuck it we're also, all commanders is he is he supposed to get better later in time like was he supposed to be a hero later, but they just pulled him early because they knew he was going to be good at stuff? Or was yeah. it like, hey, there's a guy who's just killed three planes in his first <laughs> her first mission. Let's get him. Um, I, I know. That's so, so weird. Have they like created a, a weird butterfly effect and taking him out of World War II? Yeah, yeah. Have they pulled a Dungeons and Dragons uh, <laughs> episode thing of, of fucking with World War II? Well, it's um, so weird because canonically we learn in this episode that he's never flown in combat before those that the beginning of this episode, the one mission he's flown. And now they're they've, you know, supposedly they're collecting all the best pilots from past and pu- future. And somehow yeah, he qualifies this is peak. This is peak. White kid gets handed everything, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> hey, well, you're a young boy. 
who was good at on at one thing <laughs> on his first try. And at the end of the huge info dump, when normally in another show you might expect like, so did you get all that? And the guy to be like, wow, that's a lot to take in. No, Cub is like, cool, a hundred percent. That's his other cat. That's his other catchphrase. He likes Yahoo <laughs> yeah. and 100%, 100%. He says, 100%, I'm on board. And they just slap a ring on his finger. Well, I shouldn't say they slap a ring. Victor kind of no. like te- tenderly slides the ring onto his <laughs> right ring. With this ring. Yeah, he's with like, this with this ring. ring. You are now, you are, now <laughs> are they all married? Jones. Are all, all members of the ring raiders all married to each other in a large collective of No, they're not, they're not married to each other. They're all married to Victor Vector. <laughs> he's okay. he's sort of the he's sort of the well the vector if you will uh mm. but you know he he he's uh there's there's a bunch of vectors extending from victor to everyone else it's a real uh, it's a real exciting uh the poly, only poly all married <laughs> the only all married <laughs> fire pi- fighter pilot team the ring raiders <laughs> <laughs> wow what a feather in their cap yeah <laughs> uh That's so beautiful d- so they start planning. They start planning a, a a revenge mission because they have to stop this like volcano plan. Because I guess the idea is that this spider is going to explode, and it's going to make that volcano go off in a specific way that causes a chain reaction to all the volcanoes in the Pacific Rim, and it's going to fuck up like Asia and the west coast of the U.S. All and coastal towns in the Pacific <laughs> Rim, yeah. And we don't get any solid information about why the Skull Squadron is into this. They just say. That that's they're gonna swoop in and they'll be there. It's like how do you they'll pick up the pieces? The, yeah, us we're you know we're five jet planes are gonna come in and take <laughs> over. <laughs> like he doesn't have like forces. It's like him and his like five nerdy pilots. Yeah. What? Uh, I don't know, it, man. What a beautiful show. What a beautiful, what a beautiful, beautiful show. thing. What a gift. I'm so excited. We're gonna have watched every episode of this in a few weeks. <laughs> So this this the the second half of the episode is is all about this uh, this counterattack against the Skull Squadron. Yeah, we spend and a solid ten minutes in in airplane nonsense. It's a bunch of airplane nonsense. Uh, I guess they give the new guy the most important job because he's going to have mm-hmm. to contend with Siren because he shot Siren down in 1943 before he himself got shot down. So they're like, well, you already beat Siren. Just go beat her again and then shoot this other missile that's going to missile the other missile so that the missile doesn't missile. And you just got to death start it right in there and then we'll win. (laughs) And they give that job to Cub. And I remember (laughs) he's he's flown once. (laughs) (laughs) One combat mission. He's flown once. Yeah. And and they just, yeah, they handed this to him. All right, the fate of the world's going to depend on you. We didn't even ask your permission if we could take you into the future. <laughs> Does he have a family like at home? Like, d- doesn't matter, man. Doesn't matter. <sighs> In the midst yeah. of the plane uh. nonsense, uh, my new favorite character, Baron von Claudites, gets a few <laughs> moments to shine uh, because he, at one point, like Porco Rosso style, to get to get it a bad plane, he just chucks a wrench out the cockpit, and the wrench flies into the enemy's engine, and it explodes, and he's just like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, Andy, <laughs> somebody's done an anime. That is Miyazaki. And he, and now you, I, did, you did an anime. That's a deep cut. It's a deep cut, though. I think it's anime. Rory, how many points are you gonna take from it? I think, I think I'm gonna slap him two spanks on two spanks upon the bottom, one for each. One for each orc. One in for the Porco words that he and said. one for Rosso. 
One for that's one two for demerits, Banks. One for Oroso. That's two demerits to you, you anime skis. <laughs> Damn. Put well. that in your plane and fly it. <laughs> is well, that, is that I'll take it. I'll take those right on the right on the you know the other cheek, as it were, and I'll wear them proudly. Good because Porco mm, Rosso rocks. Hawks. If you guys haven't watched Porco Rosso, if you're listening to this, you should go fucking watch that movie. Okay, well you can't be. It's it it not the point of this movie. show. That's more anime demerits. You're <laughs> no, bad. You're I, I, bad. But you can know. That's you double can, jeopardy. No, that's double you, jeopardy. No. You can't demerit me twice for the same anime reference. I didn't. Yeah, it was once for referencing it and once for trying to get people to go be anime boys. All right, well, we're going to have to settle this in court later, but we'll, we'll move on. In anime court. <laughs> Judge <Okay>. Naruto presiding. <laughs> <laughs> Honorable Judge Naruto. Well, I imagine it a little bit more like Phoenix, right? Are you, are you oh, just sort of God, hunting you're the worst. <laughs> okay. Coming soon uh, to Switch. The last, yeah, no kidding. The last important thing that happens in this episode is that we learn what the hell the rings do. Uh, which I guess they just coat things in chrome. Okay, uh, no, no, no. We have to talk about this whole transformation scene step by step. This this transformation sequence is both... Well, it's not both the stupidest and the coolest. It's just the stupidest and the stupidest, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So he's flying. You know, the, the volcano is blowing up. And he thinks all hope is lost, our boy Cub. And his ring starts flashing. In much in the way that sort of a Voltron, you might have the Bayard flash and you put it into the lion and you, you know, engage some kind of magical gun or something that the lion wants you to do. Um, but in this case, he activates his ring. Um, Voltron's a great anime, by the way. I just. <laughs> um, but so his ring flashes and he activates it and it turns in, it turns on a bunch of shit in his plane cockpit. It put it i don't know it adds some shit to his neck some weird tech stuff goes on in his body and covers him up and then there's like a super helmet that goes around him <laughs> yeah yeah the ring powers are pretty nebulous yeah why did he need a ring instead of just a button that was like engage cool armor mode you can't uh, sell a button you idiot <laughs> you can't sell buttons <laughs> by matchbox <laughs> Yeah, it's great, and and what the, I think the saddest part about the transformation is that normally, what's his what's his uh, it's his call sign is Sky Tiger, right? Cub, I I miss that. And uh, his, Sky uh, Tiger, is, the Sky Tiger is his is his uh, is his plane. Ship. Is that the same thing? Yeah, I, it might be. And so his plane normally has this badass like tiger stripe, black and orange tiger mouth, big teeth kind of paint job, and when he does the transformation, it doesn't just get it doesn't get cooler. It's just the ship covers over all of his cool paint job with just gray. His ship is just chrome gray yeah. or something now. And it's it just it's chrome. not cool. Colorless it's chrome. The, it's the only Sailor Moon transformation I've ever seen that makes you less cool when it's done. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. All the cool shit happens inside the plane where you can't see it. Yeah. And you would think that maybe the plane gets like, I don't know, more missiles or like extra stuff pops out of the top. No, nope. no, literally no change, but it gets chrome. <laughs> it's, it's pretty the great. Most the, baffling decision. The most I've awesome metal, chrome. <laughs> chrome, the coolest metal. <laughs> Man, I don't know. They win. Yeah, he dives into the volcano head first in his chrome, indestructible chrome plane. 
Uh, he's told that he can't keep it up for very long or else what his yeah. nervous system will collapse <laughs> or oh. the nervous system collapse. He get, he can't keep it up too long because he's nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they apparently this ring form, which t- to our knowledge is just armor and chrome. Uh, just some rock uh, and chrome. Is apparently something that's taxing on his brain somehow. <laughs> and he can't hold it for very long. Otherwise, he will die. Uh, and so they're, you know, they have to let the, the bad guys go away because they can't continue fighting any longer. Otherwise, he'll die. And yeah. uh, and that's how we get four more episodes out of this instead of murdering yeah. Siren where she flies. Yeah. And... Next time gadget kind of situation. Um, yeah. Now, did I miss a moment during the episode where the Skull Squadron found out who Cub Jones was? Because they refer to him by name at the end of the episode. But I don't remember them no. actually... No, it doesn't make sense. Finding out who he was. There's no moment where we're shown that they realize that that pilot didn't die and was made a member of the Ring Raiders. There's no moment. We just, it's just sort of Yeah, because they literally are like, well, that's the end of Cuff Jones. You don't know? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The villains read the script, I guess. And so they knew (laughs) who he was. Um, He does get a medal, though. Yeah. A real, a real, uh, a Ring Raiders Medal of Valor. Welcome aboard, Cub Jones. Cub Jones, everybody. <laughs> Yahoo! <laughs> ah, so what'd you guys think about that can of LaCroix? That's a good can of LaCroix. But a bad episode of Ring Raiders. <laughs> uh, I want to tell our listeners the next episode of Ring Raiders. I don't want to, I don't want to wait until the very end. Mm-hmm. I think it's got to happen now because we can have a little bit more of a discussion about it because I am right. in love with this awful title. <laughs> because the next episode of Ring Raiders we're going to be watching is called The Best Man for the Job is a Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Look out, feminists. <laughs> 1989's coming for you with, with some heat. It's it's, woke, it's time. I bet. <laughs> I bet it's going to be really good and give, uh, <laughs> give what's her name, Jenny? A uh, real moment to shine. I think so. I think that's likely. Yeah. Ready to cue up a fart sound effect on a soundboard <laughs> somewhere. Sort of low foghorn. We'll be disappointed, I think. And I can't wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to four more weeks of disappointment. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, so, okay. So here we are. Here we are ready to pay that piper. Here we are to, to sing the tunes, the sing the tunes of the men and women who give us money every week. So now now we're here. Now now you get to tell everybody about one of our freshest new sponsors, Drew Gets a Treat. Yeah. So I think that you all have some pretty shitty parents, right? We're, we're all, we're all in that same boat, right? We got, we got bad, bad parents. So we were bad. never, we were never loved as kids. My parents divorced and... six times, and I have 12 parents, and they're all meaner than the last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're living in a I'm Roald Dahl book. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. It's just like we've been living in nightmare. And one of the worst things, and I can't even believe that, you know, I mean, m- the things that money makes us do, I'm, I'm actually extolling the virtues of this product that haunted me so much as a kid. My parents... When I was young, bought Drew gets a treat, and it was a it was a, a a horrible experience because this kid came to live with us and his name was Drew and he was absolutely perfect in every way in all the ways that I wasn't. 
You know, mm. I'd do something stupid and Drew would swoop in, point at me, and then he would get the goddamn treat. Look, I haven't seen Us yet. I haven't seen Jordan Peele's Us, but I'm pretty sure that's what this is about. I, Yeah, it's a real story about fucking Drew. And his treat thieving. It ruined me. It absolutely ruined me. You don't know what it's like to just like want love from your mom and your dad and your mom and your pop pop. And they just look over and they say, and they look at you with such sad eyes. And then they go, Drew, and he climbs out Drew. of a climbs out of the hole that he lives in you know he's got holes everywhere he lives in the fridge and he climbs out of the fridge and he says yes mom and then they feed him sandwiches and treats right in front of me i'm sorry if he lives in the fridge is he is he not <laughs> eating the treats already no no because he's such a good boy <laughs> oh shit he's such a fucking good boy the way that i never was what he... happened to drew i killed him oh i killed drew i spent years plotting it and I finally fucking killed Drew. When you killed him, did you realize there was nothing there and you looked at a fractured mirror? And you, <laughs> and you were Drew. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, un- it's unclear how much money Drew gets a treat made, but... <laughs> <I'm-> <laughs> look, look, you know what? It sounds like you're advertising for Drew to get no more treats. It sounds like this is... No, no, He's you know what? skimming off the top for too long. You know what? I'm I'm better than that now. You know, I become a better person. I become a better person. I'm a bigger person, and I I can I can you know I can talk about him and raise money for him, and and I can do that. Well, his size is kind of a point of contention because that poor boy's been trapped in the refrigerator. <laughs> that very cold child. <laughs> he didn't hit puberty right. No. <laughs> no lives in the fridge. Jeez, and his back's all messed up. <laughs> He looks like a candy cane. <laughs> he has six arms and he climbs on the ceiling. Yeah, one day you just go back to your parents' place and you find their old Drew living in the attic and he's just hunched over with no spine. Only 90s kids will remember this. <laughs> old Drew. Mom, you still have your old Drew? The child we adopted to make you jealous? Yeah, I think he's up in the attic somewhere. <laughs> Okay, you guys, it's 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 4 p.m. in the suburbs. We've been working out for an hour and drinking wine. Andy has <laughs> LaCroix because he's on a diet. But me and Austin are drinking wine. We're, we're just wine dads with rockin' bods. Getting <laughs> dirty, flirty wine dads. <laughs> just it's the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. <laughs> just doing what we gotta do to keep it tight for our men. For the men in our lives that need it, that need it. For demanding husbands. For demanding husbands. (laughs) Okay, so uh, in the background, in the background of our of our basement gym, we've got episode six of Robotech playing. Barely hear it over my bow flex. Over the (laughs) over my rippling biceps, just punching the air. Robotech episode six, Blitzkrieg, and the nubs is a little bit like this. The SDF-1 crew rebuilds Macross City once more. Remember, they busted it up, turning their turning their city into a man. Now they've gone <laughs> back to city shape and have to put the have to put the buildings back. <laughs> Taking the transformation into account this time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this time they they're not going to put any houses in the elbows. 
<laughs> Crucial mistake. Rick, Rick takes Roy. Rick takes Roy's advice and joins the Robotech Defense Force, which plans to break through the Zentradi blockade at Saturn's rings. I gotta tell ya. I tell us. We were. I'm. You know. We we talked about doing five more weeks of Robotech, and so I needed to pick five episodes. So I wanted to sort of craft like I wanted. I want you to see certain things, and I want to do like this three part thing that we're gonna watch. And so I almost skipped this one, but I watched it again and I realized that this one to me kind of is like a, a perfect episode of Robotech. I don't know what you guys Dude, felt it's about so this good. One. This was a good one. I loved this episode. And I did not remember how good this episode was until I watched it. And then I realized we couldn't skip it because it has like it, it sort of ticks all the boxes except one of what I think Robotech is. So we've got some mm-hmm. of that. That Minmay plot with like romance hijinks and their dynamic. The team uh, Minmay, thing. that girl's a dingus. I know. Uh, we got we got uh, Lisa doing a sass off and getting payback for episode one. Payback, yes. getting her sass, getting getting her comeuppance. Uh, we get to see how green Rick is combat wise and all of his fears and it playing out in a real personal way in the context of like a big military maneuver. Uh, and we get to see that strategy with Global and Lisa. So we kind of get both sides, like the, the 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 micro and the macro on the on the mm-hmm. military stuff. Micro and the we macros. Get, yeah. We get Zentradi the Micronians and the Macrosses. <laughs> uh, we get Zentradi screen time where we let the humans, you know, sort of fight back and show they mean business. And we get the yeah. kind of Wars of War stuff too. Right? Like it's got yeah, almost we get everything. That, like bridge, what's, the bridge what's the, strategizing. What's, what's the one spice that they left out, Andy? The one spice they left out is something we haven't quite gotten to yet that I think is still <laughs> iconic, but oh, it's, it's, okay. it's iconic for the whole show, which is which is Minmay singing on stage while pilots die, like a sort of like split scene where we watch Minmay oh, perform okay. while there's a while there's a fight going on. That is that is classic Robotech. That is what we were missing. That's but we're, the we'll get there. We'll get there soon. That's the that's that beautiful paprika. But I anyway, I don't know. I'll let you guys talk. But I really fucking love this episode and I wanted to make sure we didn't skip it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, was it was fantastic. I would say the place that it starts is the narrator talking about two months passing, mm-hmm. which it was a perfect place for that time jump to happen. Uh, it skips over a lot of kind of boring stuff because we know emotionally where our characters have gotten to after those five episodes. So like they they get to a place where then they just need to work on Do the work shit. for a little while. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so having that time jump happen, having Rick get to train up in the defense through basic. Yeah. 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 And get, get through all of that stuff. And then for Macross city to rebuild after the devastation of the transformation, of turning their, turning their city into a man. (laughs) Yeah. Of their city becoming a man, Um, becoming a tall space man. Um, one thing yeah, to point out in to... that in that basic training montage is that everything seems pretty normal and he's training, he's doing like like uh target practice and he's crawling with a gun. And then they have him jump off like a 30-foot platform and do a couple somersaults and then just land on his feet like it's nothing. Like I don't think that there was a, a padded like thing that he landed on. It just looked like he dropped 30 feet and that was part of the training. Like you gotta be able to do that. Andy, did you get did you get another doctorate where we weren't paying attention and where pads are? So is that you have a degree in where pads no, are? No, I got a back, doctorate in the military. I have a doctor of military. I have a doctor of guns. <laughs> I'm gun doctor. <laughs> doctor guns. <laughs> that's that's my nickname in the gym is Doctor Guns. 
<laughs> what? Your nickname in your personal gym in your own basement? Yeah, I get to. It's my my. It's a gym of one. I get to pick my own nickname, and you know, everyone oh, there calls. That's really good. Your husband <laughs> you know? comes in and he's like, "Hey, Rory, you like call me Doctor Guns." And the doctor is in. <laughs> so this this training montage happens, and then we see Rick and Min Meg doing shopping at the women's clothing store. And Traditionally, yeah. a boyfriend's duty, but he's been roped into this preemptively. Yes, yes. And, and <laughs> Minmay goes to try on some really funky, like, 70s-looking clothes. <laughs> and while she's in the changing room, he is... She he tells him not to, to peek around. again. Right, hey, no, again. She does a little no-peeking bit. No-peeking! <laughs> you You have a curtain not around I'm you. I'm going There's behind no this can... curtain, and I'm gonna put my <laughs> apple bottom out. It's gonna, I'm just gonna have my bottom out. No-peeking, okay? <laughs> Not at this bottom, not at my bottom. Don't peek in here. I bet it isn't even good anyway. You're not missing anything. Or are you? Oh. Um so so Rick that leaves Rick just kind of sitting around feeling like a dungus in this <laughs> in this lingerie section where uh who should show up looking for the scampies is the bridge crew, Lisa and uh, a bunch of the the ladies on the bridge. Do we have uh, their other names? For, I don't um, know their names. One of them, I think, is like Sammy, like the the uh, the brunette with the long hair. But I'm not positive. I don't know their names. But but they're they're looking for the lingerie. <laughs> they're looking to get sexy. They're, yeah, they're looking at the bras and the panties, and <laughs> and you know they make some comments about like, oh, this is good for me, and like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> like. You know, make some comments about like their boobs or whatever and their size and notice that Rick's just there like like sitting like a perv on the floor, <laughs> crouching like a goblin next to the next to the undergarments. You know the, the panty goblins. <laughs> We're all we all live in fear of them. Uh, bra goblins. Uh, and then they, they just kind of shame him, basically. Yeah. Yeah, they give him the shadiest looks and they kind of go. Oh, 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 freaks out at him for not having there's was it's a was well, not a freak out it's a harumph it's a it's a but a sturdy yeah. harumph a harumph yeah. you could hang your a harumph you could hang your jacket on yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um after that we go to the we go to captain global who is yeah dealing there's, with there's some... kind of a a bigger plot going on here with these guys uh you know more about the the macro scale like i was talking about with the sdf1 uh dr lang the sort of german scientist uh has is showing global that where the fold generator used to be because remember it just like randomly disappeared after they did their big space fold uh where it used to be there's like some weird sci-fi light show happening and dr lang is like yeah i don't know what it is but maybe we could harness it like a shield <laughs> and he's like global's instantly like yeah approved research <laughs> like, it's it's cool uh, i don't know i don't know if that was a good move it's pretty it's 
it's pretty hasty. Like, eh, it's a crazy uncontrolled phenomenon on our ship, but go I ahead. I think we could use it. Try and use it. Let's Put it fuck all over. With it. <laughs> <laughs> but it does work out. Uh, because throughout the episode, they sort of they've turned it into a shield, but it's not big enough or strong enough to go across the entire surface area. And so what they do is they turn it into what they call a pinpoint barrier, and they have These three little crazy. mini shields. Yeah, it's like three mini shields that are manually controlled, which kind of sucks. Like I wish they weren't manually controlled. That's pretty janky. But it gives three people a chance to do something interesting during combat. So, like, three of the bridge ladies have to sit at stations with trackballs. With trackballs. So, imagine playing Pong, playing, like, (laughs) Pong with a trackball or, like, Breakout, maybe, is more appropriate. Playing a little bit Um, of Doom on your your trackball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... I guess any game works for this metaphor. Um, <laughs> but they're trying to match the the paddle, essentially, of this shield, um, this little shield dot on the, the wall of the ship when a laser is coming in. They'll try to, like, wheel the trackball really fast, really, oh, I gotta, 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 like, to bounce it, to d- deflect it, and then move it to the next thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind yeah, of, it's, like, it, it rides that line of unbelievable for me, like, that's a little silly, but at the same time, it adds some cool drama. It makes it a much more interesting do. than just being on a, on the bridge of the of the Star Trek Enterprise and the Star Treks yeah. being like, "Okay, our our Star Shield Trek up. shields are at eighty percent." Oh, I guess it's seventy now. 70. And yeah. then they get down to like ten, and nothing bad ever happens. I mean, no. Sometimes things do happen, but then it's 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 never it's never really explained as part of like how shield damage relates to right character growth. Yeah. So at least these characters have something to do. Yeah. This is so much more actionable. Yes. And more visual and interesting. And and I want to talk about when we talk about nonsense on this show, I think I don't know if we've really standardized our definition of nonsense, but to me, it's action that happens that has no real bearing on it doesn't have any dynamics. It doesn't really further the plot in any way. It's just kind of, you know, resolving action. If. If and I can, if I can, if when I'm, if when we're summarizing this show, we can skip over your entire action sequence by saying, and then they fight, and nothing of value is lost. That's nonsense. Exactly. I would say, to be fair, usually nonsense not only is is it. it I would. I don't know that it is always um, superfluous to the plot, but what it kind of does is defy description by being kind of hard to keep track of. And uh, yeah. I guess I, there's a possibility that the nonsense justifies itself by being really visually interesting. Sure. Right. And also, usually, it, you know, you wind up kind of where you need to be by the end. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so so when I talk about nonsense, I, you know, I don't see that really happening in Robotech. No, all that we, often. Have, we haven't had any nonsense. Right. Because the action here is almost always really visually interesting and almost yeah. always has some greater emotional weight to well, it yeah it our, has... ca- our character is afraid of fighting which all which means that anytime that there's a fight scene there's there's act you know there's stakes and acting that take place right yeah and even something that you kind of think might be inconsequential but like this this so this is a case in point this happens this episode like a payoff happens this episode for something episodes ago uh there's an there's a sequence ep- like a, a several episodes back where we, we talked about where they have to recover a couple uh, aircraft carriers 
and they sort of mount them on the sides of their ship uh, because they brought them along on accident when they did the space fold. And so they're like, oh, well, we'll use them. That could have been maybe considered something like nonsense, except for the fact that it comes up multiple times. And in this episode, it pays off like nobody's fucking business that they have one of these aircraft carriers because the aircraft carriers kind of became the 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 giant station man's arms. Yeah. Uh, and boy, do they I mean, I'm, we're not going to get there. We got to get there. But like, boy, that that's an example of something that almost looks like nonsense. But they several episodes later make it pay off in such a good way. Exactly. So, I mean, if we if we if we can call nonsense kind of mindless action and this does have a little bit of it, you know, from time to time. But it's almost always grounded in, in in something that is relevant to the plot or is going to be something that comes up again and again. They, they've done a great job tying it to to interesting bits of the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing, they you know, they're working on that barrier and developing that barrier. And then their other mission is they are going to Saturn and... <laughs> Right. They are hoping to hide in the rings of Saturn. So either I don't know if they were hoping to or that's just what was projected on them by the Zentradi who are monitoring the trajectory of the of the of the ship. Well, I think they're trying to their 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 goal is to fly back to Earth. They're just not doing it in a way that is going to catch them with their pants down. Yeah, and right. the Zentradi are kind of in their way. Like there there's a lot of their ships and the Zentradi are kind of like positioned between them and Earth. So they're trying to kind of bust through like a blockade almost. Their only hope to really get out of that is a blitzkrieg. Is Global's plan is to do a counterattack. Yeah. And they're going to use Saturn to hide and to spring that attack on them. Yeah, which is pretty cool. And uh, a fun a fun little fact, I don't know if you guys think this is fun, but uh, <laughs> they throughout the like big military part of this episode, uh, Lisa does a lot of like you know, we hear her giving a lot of orders, which is kind of nice. Like it's a bunch of really technical stuff, but I feel like it adds like a the right atmosphere. Like we just constantly hear her sort of speaking on the loudspeaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things she talks about is like, All pilots, man your Veritex. This operation will be directed towards the Cassini Quadrant. Repeat, this operation will be directed towards the Cassini Quadrant. And during the mission, they hide in the rings in a place where they call it the shadow zone, where the where Saturn itself is making a shadow on the rings and they hide in there and oh cool i didn't catch that yeah and nasa's uh cassini spacecraft took images of saturn casting a shadow on the rings and that's kind of a reference to that cool they did research again so yeah they did research level it's pretty (laughs) cool so they reference the they reference cassini and and get into this shadow that cassini took pictures of in the real world so i find that pretty damn cool but I don't know. Sometimes well, thanks, I felt Neil like Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I was I wasn't even space kid when I was in elementary school. No, I wasn't even one of those space boys. Something else the Zentradi talk about when they're talking about this operation is, as they would say, it'd be like shooting fish in a barrel. That means. Where where did they get? Where did they pick up the Earth Earth catchphrases? Yeah, they got it in the bad dub. once in a while this this dub fails us this this dub tries to do something that doesn't make sense and and referencing a human idiom when they've not canonically spent any time around the humans at this point that's a misstep that's stupid yeah i mean the the only way to play that though is to is to invent a language for them to speak and then you know subtitle it and then we can assume Uh 
They're not necessarily saying literally fish in a barrel. It's been translated for us to understand. Or just say it'll be like shooting Zargons in a barrel. I, you know, like <laughs> in a space barrel. In a, in no, space you can't barrel. do that. On, a, you can't do that on this show. That's way too silly. No, that's true. That's a little silly for Robotech, <laughs> but you know, uh, most shows would do that. And most yeah. shows, you call them out for. Th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Uh, we we went a little ahead on the on the the big the macro scale plot um back on the on the Rick and and company track uh Roy Roy is really excited for Rick to be a, an official member of the Robotech Defense Force and they're kind of walking together and they run into Lisa and the Bridge Girls uh who have apparently finished their uh their lingerie shopping it seems and uh Roy's like oop attention you know because Lisa's their commanding officer. Mm-hmm. And Rick gets, like, really weird, and Roy's like, You little devil, I didn't know um, you knew Commander Hayes. Yeah, well, kind of, you know what I mean? It's him! <laughs> That's Mr. Lingerie! Mr. Lingerie! And then they're, like, all the bridge crew recognize him as the lingerie goblin. And then Lisa and Rick <laughs> are the finally the introduced. goblin? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the goblige. Uh, and so Lisa and Rick are finally introduced, and Lisa's like, Rick Hunter? Why does that name sound so familiar? Oh, and they flash back to the old sourpuss moment, and I'm just thinking like old sourpuss, old sourpuss, old sourpuss. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Oh shit, you're that loudmouth pilot." And he's like, "Oh, and you must be that oh, you o- must be SP, the <laughs> <laughs> OSP." Oh my god, it's such a good moment. And so for the next, the rest of the whole episode, Lisa just starts dogging on Rick so oh, hard. Oh boy, she's she, she's so mad. Oh, she <laughs> destroys him. I good. I love that the one real hard ass in this show is a woman. Mhm. Like I love that uh that Lisa is the military hard ass archetype in some ways <laughs> that um yeah, I just I love I love Lisa. I love me Lisa too. so much. Lisa's um, <laughs> Hi Lisa. She tears me apart in a good way. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, she yeah, she's a really cool character. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, this is a this is a total turnaround from when they all dogged on her in episode one, and it was just everybody shit on Lisa Day. Now she takes it to be Lisa shit on Rick Day. Yeah, it's so good. Boy, boy, that boy it is. It. it is so good because every little misstep he makes in this first combat mission that he has, she is instantly on the phone like, "The fuck are you doing, newbie? <laughs> 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 what the hell are you doing, buddy?" You better get your shit in order, dude. <laughs> it's so good. But the the next thing that that happens that I think is is a really nice touch. I don't know. I don't know if you guys liked the scene or not. Is this is this date that Rick goes on with Minmay? Oh, I yeah. liked it as a as an interesting piece of drama. But Minmay really made Minmay made me quite upset. She's real pos in this in this scene. <laughs> oh, oh, tell me about how much you don't like Minmay. Well, for one, he confides. So first off, she's like bitching about how he doesn't care about her dress enough. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm just preoccupied. I'm leaving for war tomorrow. Yeah. And instead of being like, oh, gosh, that's so bad. She's like, finally, I can I can date a man with <laughs> hairs on his balls. <laughs> finally, a real man to take care of me. Now she's intrigued. She is so excited about him shipping out. <laughs> I actually think that it's a cool reversal. In this show, to have her be the one who isn't concerned for his safety, totally, and yeah. being really stoic about it, um, but it does make her a lot less likable. The, no, uh-huh. it does. The old stereotype yes. is 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 tired, but it's it works. Mm-hmm. Right. 
no, it, but it, it is a cool reversal just no, totally. for I the agree. sake I, of being a reversal and not having Rick be, you know, Rick is kind of a sensitive guy. Yeah. yeah. He's a sensitive little hunkling. And <laughs> his his concern for his own safety is usually something you usually you have Roy, who's who's your main character is like, ah, whatever, you know, oh, let's sure. go out mm-hmm. and fight. I don't care. I'll do it. I'm confident. And uh, Rick comes in as this like, I don't want to go and I don't like fighting and I don't want to sh- get shipped out. And his his lady friend is like not the, the Civil War wife who's no. dearest Rick. <laughs> It has been many summers. I long to see your face. I wish this war would end. Well, um, and I think I think that her reaction is rooted in a positive place because she, I think I think she's so well. Okay, hold, bear with me. She's very naive and she's not getting the point. But I think that she's thinking Rick hasn't been flying. He loves flying. I'm excited that he gets to go fly. I'm so proud of you. Like I think yeah. that's literally as far as she's thought. But she has. But she's not picking up on his signals that he's fucking terrified. Right. So on top of all of that, on top of already like being pretty shitty about the fact that he's scared to go die uh, in a war yeah. that's not his own, uh, is, is the fact that she's still being a piece of shit about him not loving the dress enough. <laughs> yeah. 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 She is still hanging on to that one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he realizes he's like, Oh, that's what you want. Oh, you're beautiful. And then she's as happy as a clam. She's like, am I? <laughs> Oh my gosh, oh, how beautiful. Gosh, I can't oh. believe you noticed. What, this old day? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, she boy. was she was ready for that one. <laughs> um, they get a they get a little picture taken because apparently there's just like coin operated robot cameras living in all the bushes around here. I thought that was cool. This little <laughs> like a little camera droid that's ready to take photo op pictures. Like those Kinda binoculars. Like police state, a, though. Like, yeah, well, there's, there's cameras hiding in the bushes. Him. You gotta pay him to take a picture. <laughs> you don't think the government's paying him to take pictures? Yeah, probably. Yeah, looking for people canoodling at that fountain. <laughs> uh, what one one extra thing about the maze, like excitement for him to join the war? It kind of reminds me of of a partner in a in a relationship where the other person is unemployed for a long time and then they're like really excited that they have a job now Uh (laughs) it's like oh wow oh you get to work that's so good i'm so excited for you (laughs) it's about you to leave (laughs) you need to go you need to yeah not be a piece of shit anymore uh and then rick Rick has to prep for his first pilot like mission and Again, this show lets us see his vulnerable side because he can't sleep. He's terrified. And Roy knows it. And Roy comes to check up on him. And he's like, dude, I get it. But you got to go to sleep because we are going to war tomorrow and you're going to need to sleep. And like, (laughs) you know, it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. That's another moment you don't always get to see, you you know, the night before a big thing like that. Mm -hmm. You don't see people like struggling to have sleep the night before. True enough. So they they go into this big, uh, you know, mission to try and fuck with the Zentradi. And uh, the hope is that they send this, you know, Skull Squadron into the into the, sh- the shadow zone so that they can kind of sneak up unexpectedly and destroy some stuff. And while they're doing this, though, the, the linchpin of the plan is that once they're distracted, they're going to, you know, the SDF-1 is going to fire its big gun and fuck everything up. But the gun won't fire. And they think it's because of the pinpoint barrier. It's like interfering with right. their whole system. 
And so now Global's up there in the in the cockpit, just sort of like, fuck. Well, actually, actually, he swears in Russian. He says like Bozhemoy or something, which is like Russian <laughs> for oh, oh my god. It's yeah. like I love I love that they actually gave him a little Russian to say, you know, mm-hmm. ra- yeah. rather than just an accent. Uh, yeah. And we also we... have to really quickly mm-hmm. play the clip of uh, Rick in starting off in his ship, taking off in his ship at the beginning, uh, checking in on his squadron and his voice cracking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Veritex Skull Squadron. <clears throat> I mean, Veritex Skull Squadron 23, pilot Rick Hunter prepared for takeoff. Roger. Yeah, it's good. We did talk about, uh, you know, nonsense earlier. I got a little bit lost between taking off and uh, Rick running into a Zentradi. Did you guys follow the action leading up to that? I think so. Okay. I mean, mostly. I think I think it was maybe a little, the plot was a little lost. Sure. Um. You know, not as visually well told as it could have been. I mm-hmm. get, I get, I get why I you think would have been confused. As soon as the sneak attack failed, as soon as you know the ships emerge and they're ready to launch this cool attack, and then like, all right, ready for that cannon to go, and then the cannon doesn't go, mm-hmm. and then it's <laughs> chaos. You know, like they are plot wise, like they are kind of scattered. You know, like th- they do lose mm-hmm. their plan pretty quickly, and so I think that's probably what you're feeling a bit. Yeah, yeah. So. Lisa gets to shine here. Uh, so after after several, so we got to drop in another clip of her of her just totally fucking dogging on Rick, like we said. So, <laughs> uh, so enjoy this clip. Skull twenty three, what in blazes are you doing? Huh? Just where were you at the meeting? Asleep? I'm sick and tired of repeating myself. That kind of flying will give you away to the aliens. But this is no time for acrobatics, you idiot. But all the other pilots were flying really dangerously, so I thought that... Shut up, Hunter. You follow your instructions, you hear me? Okay, okay, I gotcha. Is that the way to speak to superiors? Look around, wise guy. You're the only one who's flying dangerously. Roger, roger. But then, uh, there's a moment, there's a moment where, like, Claudia's like, man, that kid in his fucking, like, wise guy mouth. And we get another awesome characterization of Lisa where she's basically just like, I I don't care. It's fine. Like she's had to deal <laughs> yeah. with so much worse than some stupid pilot. Yeah, Claudia's like, "Are you being a little rough on that guy?" And he's like, "I don't really care." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great. She's like, she, it's she's not worried. She doesn't get hurt that some asshole pilot is just giving her guff. She's like, "I got bigger fish to fry. I'm having a little fun, and I don't care about this. Like I I can't because she's busy coming up with how to save everybody's fucking asshole." Uh, because her big plan, which I think is brilliant, I think it's so good, uh, to save them is that rather than having the pinpoint barriers moving around, she's going to concentrate all three of them on the front of the, uh, the Daedalus, which is the sort of underwater, uh, air aircraft carrier. That's the right arm of the ship. And she's like, we're going to put it all in the front there and they're going to use the Daedalus like a, like a combination battering ram Trojan horse. And they just punch the enemy <laughs> ship. It's and so then good. The the end of the aircraft carrier opens up, and it's just a line of mechs, and they fire every rocket, and they destroy the thing from the inside. And it is it's such so a good sequence. Fucking cool. It it's is so tight. incredible. And they later like this is a spoiler a little bit, but like they call it the Daedalus maneuver, and it comes up again because it's so cool. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, it's just an amazing idea because they don't have their guns. So what the fuck else are we going to do? We got to win. 
Yeah, and, and you know uh, what? They very easily could have given that to Global, and they didn't. They yeah. had they had Lisa come up with it, and that's just awesome. I love that. Yeah. And well, and then and then of course the the other part of that is that is that Rick was on the ship because he sort of in the chaos kind of fell into the ship a little bit and came face to face with his Entrati. And mm-hmm. well, face again, face to robot face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yet again, we get to see the horror of war because he's scared. And so is the Zentradi. They're both standing there just like terrified yeah. of what's going to happen as they look at each other. Like it's so unexpected. And yeah, Lisa saves the day and he has to get the fuck off that ship because it's exploding. But like that, like the narrator tells us at the end of the episode, that moment sticks with him. Like he's thinking about that terrified Zentradi as he goes to bed that night. Yeah, that Zentradi like got out, of, just got out of the shower or whatever. And then there's a robot, <laughs> there's a whole mech that's his size with a gun pointed at him in his house. In his space house, um, forget about it, man. Yeah, God. yeah, that was cool. And then, yeah, he he gets off just in time as the whole thing explodes. And then we do need to talk about this narrator moment at the end. They do. It's not they, just they, a they give us this. It's a Star Trek narrator. We <laughs> we kind of yeah. cut from a climax to you know ten minutes to an epilogue. Been, yeah, <laughs> I think we just play. We will just play. We'll just let him play the narrator. Just say so much. <laughs> Zero's Zentradi destroyer was obliterated, and the few remaining battle pods were dispatched with no problems. Commander Roy Foker's Skull Squadron would be decorated for their valiant action in battle. However, Rick couldn't erase the memory of the Zentradi soldier's terrified face from his mind. He felt he simply could not fire at another living being. He mentioned this to Foker. Roy said that he had felt the same way when he was a new recruit, but that Rick shouldn't worry. Experience would erase all doubts. Rick slowly began to realize that things were changing inside him, as he had little trouble firing on the battle pods during combat. But being the first human inside the Zentradi battleship and escaping to tell the tale had started wheels turning in his mind. He remembered his life up to that point and thought, things certainly have turned out differently for everyone caught up in the interstellar war. <laughs> I think I think this was, I don't because I don't know how much of this was in the original. I don't remember. I haven't watched Macross in a long time, but... Uh, my gut tells me that this was just the dub wanting to connect a few dots a little more than the original did and just mm. sort of like driving home the point of the episode a little bit at the end. Maybe they felt like it was a little too open ended or or the transition between episodes was a little jarring or whatever. Because the um, crazy thing is like S and later he would talk to that person about it and then they would later say this and they had a great conversation after this that is <laughs> off camera. Uh, I know. I'm going to tell you all about. It's so weird. Uh, but I mean, I guess it's a fitting end cause we're going to skip the next two episodes. Uh, that's, that's right. what we're doing on my watch list. We're skipping episode seven and eight and we're going to watch nine through 12 for the rest of this, uh, rest of this round of sky hunks. So, uh, you know, I will, I will be that narrator again at the beginning <laughs> of next podcast episode. And I will tell you all about what happened in the two episodes you missed. Uh, I'm so, going to be really tempted to actually watch those episodes. I might, yeah. But buddy, you do it. And actually, listeners, like we're skipping it for time and we don't want to spend forever in this one like arc now that we're in an arc format and we're already doing 10 episodes of Skyhunk. So like listeners, if you're into Robotech, please watch these two episodes. They're pretty cool. And they introduce like a ma- another major villain. Like you'll get to see a couple neat moments. So like actually yeah, if watch you're it. on team Robotech with us, like which you should be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, ho- I hope you're I hope you're actually watching along with this one, you know? Ring Raiders, yeah. you don't necessarily you don't, you don't <laughs> fucking watch Ring Raiders. If just hear that theme song, which we've already played for you, mm-hmm. we should play it again.
Okay. We'll, we'll do. We'll, you, what? Fuck it. Let's use the Ring Raiders song as a transition into our little wrap up. Oh, and there goes the last of my LaCroix. God, thank you for being here for our workout, LaCroix cartoon power hour. And it's almost quiet time. It, it's 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 545 and 15 minutes from now, we're going to have to. And our husbands home. are coming home. They're knocking on our on our door. We all live in the same house. And boy, we have to have dinner ready. Yeah. Oh, That's... boy, we're we're in trouble. We've been we've been podcasting this whole time. We haven't been keeping it tight or getting dinner ready. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Shh, don't tell anybody. We're being so bad. We're so bad. Yeah, this was this was a good week. I actually I got so much enjoyment out of both of these episodes and and uh, totally different yeah. flavors. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we didn't even mention that there are two skull squadrons. Oh yeah, that's right because that's what Roy's uh, Roy's squadron that he leads uh, in Robotech is called. So that's so that's always it's, fun. that's a thing. It's that's two great. things with the same name. What a fun what a fun coincidence. So one snake. That's also two snakes. That's where Skyhunks. That's where Skyhunks thrive. We thrive in the Skull Squadron. <laughs> we are in the Skull Squadron now. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're gonna have to. We gotta go make dinner. Uh, and and act for like our we husbands. Have to and have, we'll have prepared steak and hot dogs for our husbands. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll open up our evening Lacroix or our uh, second glass of evening wine. But we'll tell our husbands it was the first. Just glass. our first. Just a- mm-hmm. that's just a fun secret with us. I just had a little. I just had a little. I did have a little bit with Sharon came over. Just, to just- <laughs> <laughs> Sharon, we had a glass. I don't know who's counting. It's a it's a beta husband secret. <laughs> Just between oh. us. Oh, no. I don't like that at all. <laughs> We're riding a, the, a line right now, and I think, I think that's, that's, that's towing it. Boy, boy, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, there was a little left in my LaCroix can. <sighs> That's me mowing the lawn. Quiet hours are over. I'm back mowing the lawn, keeping the lawn tight for <laughs> I thought maybe our that was your helicopter again. husbands. <laughs> Gotta keep this lawn tight. And I'm mowing this lawn. We had a great time with our episode. Thanks for watching it. And thanks for listening to it. And we <laughs> are just those tired. <laughs> We're very tired after our long <laughs> 24 hours of keeping it tight. <laughs> um, and now we're going to tell you about how to find us on the internet. Yeah, so between the hours of, of 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. when it's not quiet time and the HOA won't get all up inside your asshole about it, you can just you can you can turn on our website and turn that turn that audio up, listen to our podcast, and while you're listening to it, you can go and go to iTunes and you can leave us a really good rating, you know, f- 5 out of 5 LaCroix cans. I don't know. Tried to make that theme, but it didn't really work out. And then, and then you can uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and just you know engage with us, talk to us. We we're so lonely between three and six at night, and our husbands aren't home yet. Just just make us feel less lonely, why don't you? And 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 if you're too alone and you just need to find, you just need to find another another hunk to to nestle, bury your chest, bury your head in his chest. And, and lay down on the sofa and turn on turn on whatever whatever's on the TV. 
Turn it on. Turn it all. Turn the channel as far up as it goes, all the way up into those nine hundreds where the things start to get weird. And when you're and you're there with your you're there with your hunk and you're watching your weird TV and you just just say, mm, "That's good anime." <laughs> well, you can't you can't reference a bit that we one hundred percent. That's cut. good anime. You say. I one hundred percent cut that from the episode, Rory. <laughs> Well, maybe not now. Maybe not now. This no. is our outro, set in stone. So we'll see you guys later. And, and until then, if you can't, if you can't keep, if you if you're worried, you can't go another week without your boys, without your husky, your husky suburban dads, who are those those tight men, those tight boys you've come to love. Just turn your TV all the way up into the nine hundreds. <laughs> Find whatever whatever Japanese show you can, and just. Mmm, that's good anime. Mmm, that's good anime, you'll say. You'll be happy as a clam in anime. You'll be happy as a Naruto's clam. You'll be happy. <laughs> you'll be so happy. still talking? I was gone for ten minutes. I came back. <laughs>